3: see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome Susan.
4: Thank you Justine and welcome Sarah Ellen.
0: Hi Susan, how are you doing this evening?
4: Oh, carried away by the beauty all around me. Oh. You know, the peach trees put out their beautiful blush pink blossoms. And then the cherry trees say, oh, "Well, we have to do it too." And there's wild cherries as well as cultivated cherries all over the place. Clouds of blossoms and white and pink and oh, gorgeous. And then of course the apples say, "Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah," uh, and don't forget us.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And then the the pears pair, the say, "Well, all right, all right. If everyone's doing it, we will too." You know. <laughs> And the facetia is still in bloom, so it really is just like the, the, the red buds are out, the dogwoods are blooming, the whole world has turned into a fest of flowers. And as the tree leaves become opening buds and then little bitty leaves and you can see the different colors of them as it creeps up the mountainside.
3: Mm. Wow, how fabulous.
4: It really is. I mean, fall is gorgeous here, but I must say the color and to live in the mountains and to see the color progression in the the spring turning to summer as we come up to May Day. So Mm. just always makes my heart go pitter-patter in a lovely, lovely way. So Grateful and so awed by the beauty that's all around me. Blessed it be? Mm. I bet it's beautiful. It's your place too.
0: It is. Yes, the cherry trees are really going. Um, our apples have hit pause because we had freeze warnings last night. Um. But doesn't seem like it, you know. Knocked things off, you know. Um, I, I think it just caught it just right because the maples, like those little buds, had already opened up, and they seem okay. And um, but yes, it is definitely beautiful. I remember you saying you had so many daffodils, and we did last year because I remember remarking about it on the show. And you know, you enlightening me and saying, "Well, the deer don't eat those," and I was like, "Oh yeah, duh, that explains it." But this year, there are not so many daffodils here. Um, mm. So interesting. yeah, but lots of yeah. pilots and dandelions.
4: Dandelions. Yeah, lion. mm-hmm. Yay, the dandelion. Mm-hmm. I did a wonderful class with Isla Burgess, um, which focused entirely on dandelion. And it's so wonderful to find a new use for an old friend. She uses the stalks as dandelion noodles.
5: What?
4: If you like the bitter, you can just toss them in some oil and saute them and then put a little tamarind, flap of lid on it and cook it. If you don't like that bitter, just pour some boiling water over it, let it sit for a little bit, pour the water off, then saute them.
0: How interesting. I never would
6: have
4: thought. Right? Mm -hmm. Antiline noodles. Oh, my gosh.
6: That's fun.
4: Of course, I was going to go right outside and and harvest a bunch of it and try it, but that hasn't happened. A lot of other things Mm -hmm. have happened, but that hasn't happened yet, and that's okay. The idea is percolating, and I know it will happen. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: and so here we are less than a week away from the Hypericum conference
0: yes oh my goodness countdown
4: oh my gosh I Mm -hmm. I videoed the last few books the that ones that I had out that I just had to read from So, Charlotte Erickson Brown, Uses of Plants for the Past 500 Years. Mm. And a book that I really wanted to read from because I wanted to make it um, uh, an example of how nonsense is promulgated. Mm. So, I know you haven't been like... Avidly looking, but have you ever experienced or known anyone who's experienced or seen reports of anyone getting photosensitized from touching or using hypericum in any way?
0: I have not, and and I use it internally and externally, and spend a lot of time in the sun myself, and. I share that information with other people and no one has told me that they've ever experienced any type of photosynthesis reaction.
4: Exactly. No uh, photosensitivity. In fact, mm-hmm. I have found um, several scientific statements, um, including the German Commission E, which says there are no cases of human photosensitivity, although it occurs in animals.
0: That's what I read. That if an animal were to consume a large, a mammal, that like pasture grazing animals have had issues, um, but that was related to them consuming large quantities of it, and they're, yeah, you know, I. I that's the only thing that I've read, but I've never heard a human tell me that they've been photosensitive in any way or even like... In any brain, way. Right. Or nor,
4: nor does the scientific literature know of any human who's been photosensitized. The one thing I did find was a group of HIV-positive people who were given one of the alkaloids from Hypericum. I'm not sure mm. if it was Hypericin or Hyperforin or Pseudohyperforin or exactly what it was, but it was one alkaloid they were given as an injection. In fact, it might have even yeah. be, have been an IV. Oh. And they were photosensitized.
0: Wow. Well, that seems so much like the drugs, and we're so far removed from the plant at that point that.
4: Wow. So the book I'm talking about that I that I read from said, when we were making herbal stuff, we made a lip balm with. Hypericum oil, and we added alkanet to it to make it really red, and then some, like, sweet-tasting herb to make it taste good. And it worked really well. Then we read in this book that using hypericum oil can photosensitize people. So we've never used it in our lip balm again, and for safety's sake, you shouldn't either.
0: Ooh, Wow.
4: So this is why I wanted to make an example of this. Not because there's anything wrong with what they're doing, but that it shows very clearly how the nonsense is spread. They read in a book, and they named the authors, that this could happen, and therefore to be safe despite the fact that they've used it without any problem, they're going to stop using it and they're going to tell everybody not to do that. Right. So they read it in a book and now they wrote it in their book. And now you read it and you read it in two books and so you put it in your book. Hmm. So-and-so and so-and-so says so-and-so. And before you know it, It's become the gospel. Everybody says so. And that is what's happened with this whole photosensitivity thing in Hypericum. To the point that I actually was reading from books that claimed if you touched it, you could become photosensitive. Oh. Oh. And photosensitive means that you sunburn very easily. Hmm. So I am glad that that we are devoting 10 days to ending the nonsense, and I am glad on so many levels. First of all, I'm glad because it pushed me to read all these books, to read book after book, you know, and to see the trends and what's going on and um, how people are being put off, and hopefully our um, fantastic presenters. Um, there's going to be what, 20, 21 presentations?
0: 21, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. 21 presentations over 10 days. Yeah. And live Zoom meetings with every one of the presenters, um, except maybe Gretchen. I think Gretchen mm-hmm. isn't. Um, she's not comfortable uh, doing that since her stroke. And actually, it's quite amazing. Her stroke took out her speech center, but because she's a singer and a musician, she was able to regain her ability to speak. Oh wow! Wow, right? She's not like really confident, and I certainly understand that. But you'll see, because I went up last summer to Herb Hill and with Justine and a couple of other. Uh, wonderful women, and we videoed Gretchen talking about Hypericum. So you get to see her presentation, get to see her talking about it, and you'll see that it's you know that she's she's good, she's doing great.
0: Mm, she's such a marvelous woman. I love Gretchen.
4: Really, really is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to. Everybody, but I was thinking today, because you and I were talking about introductions, I was thinking, oh, I am so honored that Althea Orr is doing a presentation for us.
0: Yeah, and I... I
4: was thrilled that Kathy Cavill is doing a presentation for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, yes, they are new to our virtual conferences, and they're women that I have known for decades, and whose work continues to wow me. Mm. So I'm very, yes. very excited to share them. And I was also thinking, oh, right, what somebody, somebody like slipped us a hot tip about this man from somewhere in the wilds of the U.K., Ireland, Scotland, somewhere from there. Ian, is that his name? Uh, Dylan. Dylan. Ian is Dylan. Uh,
0: a different naturopathic doctor that's going to talk about some other things, mhm, but yep, Dylan
4: yeah, yeah, and so another you know person that I don't know that I'm very excited to hear what he's going to be telling us
1: mm. yeah.
0: yes, I'm very curious because there's some new names to me that I've corresponded with them as presenters, but i what they have shared is going to be totally new to me too, so I'm so excited. Really excited, yeah,
4: yeah, and ooh, I also want to remind people that the price is going up. The conference starts May first, which is Monday. And at midnight, May first, the price is going to be eighty nine ninety nine. Right now, it's forty nine ninety nine. Or this is really, absolutely your last chance to give us a short and get in for free.
2: Uh.
0: Do that, Yeah. Share your yeah. experience.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: important, because there's really more than 21 presenters, there's all the other presenters of the ones who've sent in for which yeah, I'm so grateful. <laughs> now, I'm wondering, Susan, where you put that letter? Ah, here it is. That was easy to find. This letter is on a beautiful piece of paper. I can't tell if she drew on it or if it's a copy of something. It's got grapes and um, oh, beautiful um, diamonds of different colors, not like diamonds, diamond shapes. Hello, Susan. This stationery is an experiment inspired by a couple of threads my sister's getting married in june and i'm having an event for the women in her life to show support of her and i have a desire to correspond with you again as it has been over a year now since i talked to you about my correspondence course well i've done a lot of reading practicing making and using remedies for myself and i feel empowered I am a woman of worth studying with you, your books, other herbals, reading the depths and breadth of what you have published in print and online. I can say with certainty that I have changed, grown, become my honest self more. Through this course's focus and your support, and one of the things I read online caused me to reflect, what do I still need to learn from you? Well, of course, I will continue in life as I can to be present, to listen to show up for myself, for relationships I care about, and to dare to be unashamed to live. My question for you is about the Goddess. I do my own reading, exploration, and practice. I have rituals, simple and daily ones and and for the different phases of the moon and of the wheel of the year, uh, I find myself considering that that a woman such as yourself, a wise woman mentor, could have some guidance to share or experience and how to go about bringing the goddess into my everyday life in a meaningful way is there some practice you have that affirms or nurtures a relationship with the goddess is there a general or thematic energy which you bring into your daily life as person in service to the goddess or something else entirely The view out my window right now is a flowering weeping cherry tree in full bloom with a few green leaves it is a mature tree and it is glorious I can feel the spring energy as I align myself with this tree and this moment. Being a willing participant witness in the community you have nurtured and created has aided my ability to give myself permission to enjoy the present moment and my life again. And what she means very specifically by that is the Zoom community every other week there is a Zoom meeting twice a month there's a Zoom meeting and she, thus she's a willing participant and a witness because of course not everyone speaks but uh, but I know um, and I'm happy to hear that those who aren't speaking understand that they are witnessing it that that they are important there as well Being a willing participant witness in the community you have nurtured and created has aided my ability to give myself permission to enjoy the present moment and my life. There are moments I don't want to. I'm uncertain, still questioning my worthiness, but it's no longer the norm of my day-to-day experience. I'm learning to nourish myself, to pay attention to my needs, to take care of myself so that I can expand out into the world in a way where i coexist with nature thank you thank you looking forward to our further communications
0: Wow. how powerful That's a lot
4: to say. choose yes
0: amazing
4: choose a goddess archetype Choose a goddess archetype. Choose one goddess that is the archetype for you of the goddess and see her everywhere. Isn't it really about seeing the beloved everywhere and knowing that you are the beloved?
2: Mm.
4: And Women sometimes say, oh, but there's so many goddesses and I feel close to this one and that one. I go, yes, choose one. Do this thing where you choose one where you make a commitment to one goddess. I know that's an assignment that I give to every apprentice, so you must have gotten that assignment.
0: I did get that assignment. I actually, I did not have much relationship or much knowledge about um, the goddess and goddesses when I was there, so I drew from your deck um, a goddess, and um, at that time it was Maya, and um... But since I've been home, um, I would say definitely the goddess, I still even have the antlers on my wall, um, is Ellen of the Way, is the goddess that I... Mmm. Um.
4: Mmm. Yeah. So that's well said. Uh- a point at which you were here, you needed to have a goddess archetype, so you drew a card from a deck so that you had that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as that opened the door for you to want to find who it might really be.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Um, My curiosity so piqued and I was honestly just so disappointed that I didn't know enough to pick my own goddess but I was honest with myself and with everyone there and saying I I just don't know I mean I know a handful of names but that's not enough to choose so I chose a card and I learned about the goddess there and celebrated her and the pageants and all of that but um, yeah after coming home and especially once I came home and started milking you know, goats and things like that, um, yeah, I opened to a relationship with a different goddess for sure.
4: Yeah. 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 And it, it it's not like you can't love other goddesses. hmm They're all around us. Right. And the answer to her question is choose one goddess and be the priestess of that goddess. So Zhuzhana talks about Dianic Wicca, which is the priestesses of Diana. the priestesses of the moon. And she's also, of course, Artemis, and gives her name to the Artemisius. Mm. And it was very, very easy for me to identify with Artemis. The woman who roams the woods. The woman... At one with nature and the goddess of um, women giving birth. And the goddess of truth. She shoots her arrows of truth. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be, as you say, you know, that handful of names that we all seem to know. So how did you come to find your goddess archetype by reading books? By
0: Well, I actually heard a woman speak who had written about, um, I think she had written two books on the goddesses and um, focusing, yeah. I, and she was sharing a lot about goddesses in European cultures that kind of had been like forgotten a little bit. And hearing her talk about Ellen of the Ways was just so resonant to me when I heard that. All You know, just her connections with the energy lines of the earth and the waterways and um, kind of getting protection and leading animals um, for safe passage to the water um, and through the trails. And um, just, even when I dressed. At, at Halloween to embody her, Um at Solan to embody her, I wow. sent a picture to friends. Yeah, and she's like, you know, I, I think you actually like that's how you are every day. And when you dress in regular clothes, that you're you're doing that because you have to. But I see this is
7: who you actually are. I was like, wow, oh, I love that.
4: Wow, yes, yes, yeah. and that was her question, right? Mm-hmm. what do you do to bring the goddess into your everyday life so you choose a goddess and of course you know the quilt in the hall that uh, an apprentice group made each with their um, the archetype and it said you know mm-hmm. uh, and, I w- and I said who shall I choose and the reply was who will choose you
0: mm-hmm. That's right. That is oh uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's just absolutely I'll say the words magical and enchanting to be chosen. Um, whether it's by a plant ally or a goddess, there's just oh wow, the, the resonance that comes through when I open to that being chosen and allowing that relationship to really be co created is oh, it's it's very powerful learn a lot about myself and a lot about all of the natural wonders that are, I just, I remember the first time I ever realized, I was like, how have I been missing this my whole life? There is just, like like you say to people that you spend half an hour in nature and you be convinced that you're her favorite child. Um, It's just like, I felt like there were messages everywhere for me. Um, And it was like I had just been, had my eyes opened to something that I had been, I don't know, not seeing my whole life. So it's, uh, yeah, it's powerful to be chosen and to open to that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because really that's where it starts. just So her asking the question and and opening to that is, yeah, that's what it takes. There you go be repeating.
7: that right mhm, right.
4: The answer is often the simplest thing, oh. which is focus in oh. focus in let it let it get very deep in that one place oh. our guest tonight is Carmen Turner Schott, a psychological astrologer. She has been researching astrology, trauma, healing, and transformation for 25 years. And she actually began her work around the age of 16 after an experience with a glowing ball of light in her doorway. Mm. She'll tell us more about that. In an hour at 9 o'clock, stay with us or come back then to find out what Carmen Turner shot. Great ball of light had to do. (laughs) Um, Fun. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into the questions?
0: Um, yeah, I see three hands raised, so I don't want to hold anybody up, so I'm ready if you are. I'm ready. All right. And I'll remind everyone listening that if you have a question, and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press one and we'll see your hand go up in the queue. And at this time there are three hands raised. The first caller has dialed in from the 512 area code. From the five one two, you are live with
6: Susan. Hello there. Hi, Susan. I, um, Hi. Called... Hi. <laughs> Good evening. I called you a little over two months ago with a question about healing my foot. I had done some damage on the ball of my foot and um, did some nerve damage. But anyway, that's that's really not even why I'm calling tonight. I just wanted you to know about it. I The issue really hasn't resolved. It's gotten a little better. I just keep like loving it and rubbing hypericum into it and and when it, I just figure that's going to take as long as it takes. And like, I'm at peace with that, you know, just keep going, but there's something else going on and I wish I could have that sort of peace for this new thing. And that's really why I'm calling you just to sort of get a, uh, hoping that you could help me sort something out in my brain. Cause it's just really bothering me. But so All right. for about, okay, thank you for um. so for about, Six weeks now, I've been having um, some vaginal bleeding, and I did go to the doctor for it because that's just a little too long, you know. Um, I'm in my forties; I'm forty-six, and mm-hmm. they did and, vaginal. And alter-
4: so, how much bleeding are we talking about? A spot when you wipe? Are we talking about you had to use some protection?
6: Yes, there. I need a little bit of a of some, a little bit of protection. It's not terribly a lot. It's not like a menstrual flow, and I thought it's it was. Like-
4: Possible. more like a smear rather than a flow
6: um
4: yeah, but yeah it's but, uh, it
6: does it does require a pad though it, i i mean and it varies sometimes it's a little heavier and sometimes it's just there only when like you said there's like that smear but it did requ- it does require a pad and i was like
2: mm-hmm.
6: you know, mm-hmm. and, and anyway so but so i did i did think it was spotting and i wasn't concerned because it Anyway, but um, sick so, because it started mid-cycle when the whole thing started, but I um, huh. I did finally go in to my gynecologist, and she and did a vaginal. Oh, go ahead.
4: Uh, well, I didn't want to interrupt you. Sorry, it's so oh, hard when I, we I'm, can't see each other. They get the cues right. Too. Thank <sighs> you. Yeah, where are you vis-a-vis menopause?
6: That's what I thought too. I thought, well, this is just my menopause starting. Like I sat there one morning, I just. Thought about it, and I said, "What needs to be resolved here?" And I, just, I thought nothing needs to be resolved. It's just my menopause starting, and I was, you know, fairly comforted with that. But then I went into your book that said uh, that, that talked about vaginal bleeding, and it just said something like, "If it's going on for more than two weeks, you should probably have it go get looked at." And that, I mean, and you know, that's not the only reason. So you did, did I did, that,
4: uh, and yes, what, and she did. And she did what procedures
6: and thank you for slowing me down. I realized I was talking so fast, but um she did a vaginal ultrasound, and she was very confident that what she saw was a corpus luteum cyst, and the way that she put it was that it just dug its claws into my ovary, and it just seemed like it just didn't want to let go and anyway, so that she said that's your culprit. it's a corpus luteum cyst and um yeah, it's just been bleeding and it'll like bleed for weeks and then stop for five days and then bleed. And I, and I, I asked her, I, I'm just, I kind of just get straight to the point. I'm like, so this isn't cancer. I mean, let's just cut, cut right to it. And she's like, no, it's not cancer. That's those, she was confident about that. And um usually these things apparently go away on their own, but um yeah I don't know. I really wanna run by some of the tinctures I've been taking and see if maybe you think I'm aggravating the issue i'm
1: uh All right. All right, okay. tell me.
6: thanks i am uh I rub chickweed and i've been rubbing chickweed oil into my my ovary and I take chickweed uh two times a day. I'd say probably like i do take three dropperfuls in the morning and then later on when I get home from work, I take another like two dropperfuls. And I also um, take Vitex, and I've been taking Vitex forever. So just because I do, I actually have a history of um, cystic ovaries, and it seems to have resolved the issue completely, actually. But so I do take Vitex, and I just keep on with my Vitex. I just love it so much. Vitex is just my friend. Um, I keep on with my Vitex in the morning, and I do take some dandelion just to help my liver. There's some hormonal something going on with me. I can also just tell with my... Like my emotions and you know, my figure just to support the liver. Just, just it's got to
1: so it's got to be something going on. Thank
6: right. you. Um, and that's and then there's one more thing. I don't know why I even started taking this, but and it hasn't been for maybe more than a month. And it's one dropper full. I'll I kind of mix that in in my afternoon little tincture shot. Um, I take a little bit of saw palmetto. And I, I just it, kept, it like came into my head, like I said a month ago, and uh, I just sometimes that'll happen to me with plants, and then and then when they leave me, they leave me, and I stop taking them. I don't know. I know that sounds kind of not very scientific or whatnot, but no. um,
4: what thank, science thank you. To do with it? it yeah, else? I don't know. No. Anyway, um, <laughs> so those are the Science is world, Science is really good for being able to tell us what's best for most people, but it's very poor at being able to tell us what's best for you.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And you are very good at that. So if mm-hmm. you don't know, it's nice to have science to say, Hey, what's best for most people? But if you know, it's best not to let what's best for m- most people confuse you in any way at all, because it may not be and good it, for you.
6: And it sure can. It sure can. There's so much information out there. It's, Hard yeah. to tune into yourself and um, another thing too, I started trying the castor oil packs and then I just was walking around and I thought something doesn't feel right about that. Like it doesn't make sense to me if there's if you have a cyst full of blood to put heat onto it, or maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I thought maybe something more cooling would be better. So I stopped the castor oil packs and perhaps oh, I Japan, shouldn't. Perhaps I used should in to- Japan they use
4: tofu packs.
6: Should I put heat on it, on my ovary? Well, if you, your a...
4: body told you no. Your body said, right. I want hold. Yeah. So there's no should. Okay. There's there's your growing ability to not just hear yourself, but trust what you're hearing.
6: Thank you. I mean, that that really is what, what I need I just I need some sort of a Mantra or Something that I can I'm trying to talk to my Ovary I'm telling it to uh, Telling that cyst to just let go I'm trying To sort of probe Myself like what does it need for me Or There's mm-hmm. some sort of like an invitation here Some mental component that's like An invitation and it and it oh, just and Would and just comfort me and ease my Fear if I could get
4: out So yeah. let me just tell you a couple of things that I think might be important to you. We talk talk about ovaries having eggs, but they don't. It's a bit of a misnomer. There are um, things in the ovary that can become eggs. But they aren't eggs yet. And Every month, taking turns, first one side and then the other side, first one ovary and then the other ovary, one month and then the next month, That in that ovary, a few of those proto-eggs get to actually become eggs. And then there's what I call the Miss Egg Contest, because generally only one of those eggs can get out of the ovary. There is no exit from the ovary. The egg has to smash its way out. And generally, only one egg is strong enough to do that. The other eggs, the ones that didn't get out, are supposed to die of embarrassment. Hmm. They lost the Miss Egg Contest, and they are just supposed to hang their heads and shrink and die. Every once in a while, there's a sore loser. And the sore loser says, you can't make me die. I'm not going to, I don't care if I haven't been fertilized. I'm going to make a baby anyhow. I'm going to be here anyhow. So I understand that you're asking it to stop, to leave, to not do this. And my understanding and my experience is that we can work with our bodies, but it has to be with our bodies. We have to really have appreciation for what our body is doing, not just say, stop. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And it's Kind of like what you're saying, oh, you know, there must be some emotional issue or some symbolic issue, but it's not even that clear cut. May I ask you about children?
6: I have one son, and I had him when I was 38. And I tried to uh, have more children, and I'm Unfortunately, I miscarried twice, and then I finally just stopped. You actually helped me a lot with that this show because I heard you say on a on a show that it that miscarriage was healthy, and when I heard you say that, something the heavy very heavy left me and I thank you for that you are so
4: you're so welcome One of the things that I experienced as part of my menopausal passage was a great grief for all of the children I didn't have. And it took me really quite by surprise, because I had one child when I was 20, and that was fine. I did not feel any need of any kind to have more. So to, to come face to face with the grieving mother inside me who didn't have a whole bunch of children was almost shocking. This no, is one- this egg wants to make something of itself. I know. Right? So we we can't ask our bodies to do things that they don't want to do. We need to see what we can do with it. How could you offer to manifest it so that it can turn into something else through you?
7: That's so
6: funny. I was talking about just that thing to a friend of mine. I was thinking about just the creative energy there. And, like, there's many ways for women to be their fertility, right? Right. So through our talents or through just uh, however we're going to serve each other However. Planet or whatever but
4: you need to choose just like with the goddess we were talking about you need to choose it's good that's true all of that is true but you need to choose a specific thing that you're going to do that allows this, this to manifest itself not just something not just anything but a specific something a painting, right? A dance, th- a right? The sculpture, a song, a what? You know, some specific thing.
6: Yeah, it does feel like that. Like something maybe needs to be released. I mean, there's such yeah, intelligence. We could there. say
4: released. We could use the word release, but I like the word manifested. We're gonna take this this energy which is manifesting as a cyst and we're not going to so much release it as we are to manifest it in a different form. Because again my sense is that it doesn't want to leave it doesn't want to be released it wants to be loved by you.
6: Oh, that's, that's, that's so
4: beautiful. We are so well-schooled in the heroic tradition of getting rid of what's wrong, that it can be very hard to stop and love ourselves, and to find a way to manifest that in ways that don't Scare us or hurt us.
6: It's so true. Where did we ever get the idea that we're going to live these lives and just be like mannequins or something without, you know, anything happening? I mean, everybody has something. And
4: yes, that that was Elizabeth Cooper Ross's yeah biggest teaching to all of us was. You think you're having a hard time. Just been two weeks in the Children's Cancer Ward.
6: Oh, um, that's, yes. Or a burn no. unit. Oh, my goodness.
4: Right, you know. Oh, right. my. Just. So, yes. Yeah, you know. Um, it's, uh, what they say looks like is life's a witch, and then you fly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know what that comes <laughs> from. <laughs>
6: You know, since I was, since, and I'm not, this is not a hyperbole, but literally for 40 years, I've been thinking about just healing. I have been fascinated by just what that is in a very simplistic, um, I'm not talking anything complicated. I'm just, it's so fascinating that your body can heal. And I just remember as a child, just, you know, watching my body heal. It was, I can't, it is so mysterious. It is so deeply mysterious to me. That and the timing of it all, like the timing of the cyst, the timing of my foot, the how how long something takes to heal, it's that is so mysterious. Like how does the body know like what is that signal? How does it know? How does it know its time? What is its timing? And th- there's something about the cyst and time I like like it's Helping me understand this different kind of time, this the timing of healing. It's all just so mysterious, and I and I don't. I just keep thinking about it because I feel like if I could. Well, I'm gonna re-listen to this because what you said was was just really powerful, and I need to let it sink in and process it. But um. Yeah, I feel like if I could just get around it, and like you said, maybe I I need to figure out how to be creative and. Approach this no, just more you don't need to figure way. out
4: how to be creative. You need to commit to doing one thing.
6: That's, what, that's right. That is
0: right. Figuring
4: out how to be creative, gosh, that could last your lifetime, but committing to doing... I am going to draw a picture with Crayolas. I am going to... Whatever it is that you can commit to. When we're done talking, just make that commitment. And... Frame it within time, I'm going to do it within a week, I'm going to do it within a month, I'll have it done by summer solstice, whatever time frame you want, make a commitment to do one thing and put a time frame around it. And we're not talking magic bullet, we're not saying as soon as you do that, your sister will disappear. No. I want you to know that I am not saying that, but we are talking about and going through a door that you opened, which is in addition to the excellent things that you are doing. And, yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you're taking Vitex, it's pointless to take Soft Palmetto, too.
6: Um,
4: But other than that, I think, you know, you've got good allies there. Um, And so your question was more, you know, what, what emotional and symbolic work could you do, which is what we've been talking about, because you've got the herbal end well taken care of. And yes, dissolving those can't make me leave (laughs) um, can take a long time. So, be persistent and be gentle with yourself and you're doing great.
6: I do appreciate this so much. Thank you so much.
4: You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night.
6: Thank you. Thank you.
4: All right,
0: Anne, it looks like we have five callers that have pressed one to let us know that they have a question. Our next caller has dialed in from the 919 area code. From the 919, you are live
3: with Susan.
5: Good evening, Susan.
1: Hi.
5: Hi, I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, so I have I have two questions. Um, I have a lot of questions, but I think for tonight I'll try to keep it um, succinct. Um, I'm really amazed that that last caller called you with that question because I have almost not the same question and we sound like we're in very different places but it's around similar issue so maybe i'll start with that one um okay so i went to the doctor i found a primary care doctor um for the first time in i mean basically in my whole adult life i'm 37. i had my last child six uh seven years ago and so the last time I went to a doctor regularly was when I was pregnant. And I was like thinking to myself, oh, I should I should just have a primary care doctor, um, just, you know, in case. My husband the other day needed a, uh, speaking of cysts, a small cyst removed from his head and we didn't have a doctor. And so we were like, we should maybe just have a doctor. So anyway, <laughs> so I went to meet this person and we were going through my medical history And just like, you know, any questions that she had. And I brought up the fact that I had been spotting um, bleeding um, for the last, it had been like for, let's say like a couple of weeks when I met with her. And she asked if that was normal. And I said, well, no, but honestly, I'm not great. It has happened over the last few years, a few times in between periods. And I remember very clearly it starting after getting um, the COVID vaccine and looking, this up, looking into this and hearing from other women that they had the same experience. That like after getting vaccinated, uh, having a little bit of like spotting in between periods and that, that they, it turns out it's a thing, but it should go away. So anyway, I believe it did go away, but it came back um, or, and, and more so this past month or let's say like this past cycle. And so when I told the doctor that, she said you should get an ultrasound or like I'd like to schedule you for an ultrasound. And so I am kind of, I don't know, it was just funny listening or interesting listening to the last caller because I feel like I'm the opposite. I'm just like I'd rather not get an ultrasound. Do I need an ultrasound? Like, um, And so I've been thinking a lot about um. Some of your work around the first steps, um, I can't remember the root, the, what the metric is called, but one of the first steps being gathering information um, around, like, whatever you have, like, coming up. And so I told the doctor, I was like, I'd like to gather some information and just, like, see how I feel about getting the ultrasound and everything before um, proceeding with scheduling the appointment. And so talking to you is one of those pieces of gathering information, but I gathered information from my mom and my sister that my mom was, I'm 37 and my mom was done with menopause. Like she was all the way through, like no more bleeding after 43. So I thought to myself, okay, so this could be maybe the beginnings of menopause, um, and my sister said she's a, she's two years older than me, and her cycle has been shifting a lot. So she's kind of figuring that this is the beginnings of menopause for her also. Um, and then the other thing I thought, and this is a, a big question I had for you, was right before all of that spotting started, um, our family dealt with a, a big round of um, strep strep throat but also my son had strep uh, like skin infection and we took well copious amounts of echinacea (laughs) and i took because i was getting it in my throat um i was taking echinacea i was taking propolis tincture i was taking um another tincture uh that i can't remember right now but so a lot of like with the idea of like uh kind of getting that strep to kind of leave our family. And then I, so I was thinking, could a lot of herbal antibiotic kind of herbs, uh, tinctures, change your cycle also and like create a lot of bleeding? Um, So anyway, I guess my, (laughs) it's a lot, it's a lot of like backstory, but I guess some of my questions are, okay, first of all, do you think the herbs, the tinctures could contribute to that? Um, And also, I don't know I think I'm kind of settled on going ahead and getting the ultrasound At this point, because I've been thinking about it for like a little over a week Um, But what I don't know, I'm so unpracticed with getting medical tests done Like I literally haven't ever had any Like I didn't get ultrasounds with my two pregnancies So I'm kind of like, you know, what should I think about going into it and what should I be prepared for (laughs) kind of because I I decided to confront doctors first like I don't have a lot of trust in doctors and that makes me kind of like a little a little anxious not like hugely anxious but anyway (laughs) I don't know if that's a clear question I hear you so
4: what's the difference between you and a doctor. It's not just education. Mm -hmm. It's also how cautious you must be.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: So you can take risks that a doctor can't. Mm -hmm. A woman who, by this doctor's standards, wouldn't be in menopause because they don't consider it menopause until after you've stopped bleeding for a year, Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. is therefore compelled to look for a cause.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: And to rule out life-threatening causes, right? Mm -hmm. so the ultrasound in and of itself is pretty benign you will go and you will be asked to disrobe from the waist down and you will be put on an examination table and your feet put in stirrups And there'll be a TV screen there and they'll put some goo on your belly and they'll put a part of the apparatus very small into your vagina and they'll rub something over your belly. And you'll be able to see on the screen maybe, but you won't be able to tell what it is, probably. And they won't tell you what it is. And you'll chew your fingernails waiting for the results. Everybody does. That's okay. Make sure they're nice and long. To have something to chew and uh, basically what it is is a sound picture right mm-hmm. a sonogram a sound picture so they're bouncing sound off these soft structures which allows us to image these structures without using x-rays or opaque dyes or other things that we have to use even with CAT scans and MRI So of the diagnostic procedures, it's certainly the most benign and the safest for you. The danger starts to come in that they then have their foot in the door. Right. And you now have one paw over the edge of the well.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: So what if there's a suspicious finding?
5: Right. Right.
4: Now you have to choose, again, do you want a more invasive test? Right. And that can continue on. So what I always ask myself and suggest that people ask themselves with any diagnostic test is what do I want to know? Do I need this test to know that? Mm
0: -hmm.
4: And if I find this out because of the test, what will my next step be? So if you, just as a for instance, want Mm -hmm. to know if you might have cancer,
5: Mm
7: -hmm.
4: That test is not a good way to find out if you have cancer.
5: Right. Right, because what you described is that they just look at the lining of the uterus, and if there's any abnormalities, then they must have to do further investigation.
4: (laughs) Correct, Ola.
5: Right, so it's kind of like I'm a, I a, you know, and I just assume most of us have abnormalities. So, you know, and are like, you
4: going to take the next
5: step? Exactly, yeah.
4: Exactly. So if you ask yourself that now, it's better than if you ask yourself that then, when yeah. they now have leverage and pressure. Right. And I don't want you to deny yourself a test that might give you an answer to a question that you have. I mean, that was my question: Do you have cancer? Maybe it's not your question. Mm-hmm. Um, and to also ask yourself: What would I? Would you follow their protocol? What's your Suppose they do find something. What would you do then? Let's suppose that this test could find that there's an abnormality, say a cyst in your ovary, and they would like to remove your ovary. Are you going to do that? No. Then you probably shouldn't get started with them.
5: Right. Because they get a
4: little hysterical when they see things like that, you know.
5: Right. And it's kind of like, I know exactly. And it's like, that is the one reason to do it is to rule out cancer. And it's like you said, it's like, they can't see that in that test anyway. Correct. Yeah, that's kind of I mean, yeah, that's, it's it's interesting, because I was kind of like, oh, I'll just get the ultrasound because it's not a huge deal. I'm assuming they'll find something, but that doesn't really, it doesn't scare me so much that they find something, because, like, this bleeding, it's not, none of my, like, nothing else feels any different about my body, no other symptoms. The bleeding was, like, strange this month. It was, like, very dark, and there were some, like, little clots um, before my period, but it's just one cycle. So I'm kind of like, couldn't I just wait one more cycle and see if it happens again? And like, <clears throat> so that's kind of... That's so I, I, when, I,
4: when I knew there was something wrong, I did yeah. agree to an ultrasound, mm-hmm. which saw a sickening, but I insisted on an endometrial biopsy because I wanted to know if I had cancer.
5: Uh huh.
4: And I just insisted that I had that test because that was my question. And I Ooh. knew that I knew that if the result was positive, that I was not going to be following their protocol. And I got mm-hmm. myself prepared to talk to them.
5: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's and how did, you, how did you know? You could feel that there was something wrong. Yes. And, like, it was obvious to you. So I, you like, could okay, I describe okay. that to you? Absolutely not. Uh, you mean, you couldn't describe was what was, no was wrong? There was no bleeding, there was no
4: pain, there was no okay. swelling, distention. To all external signs, nothing was different. But I mm-hmm. heard from my body a big uh-oh hmm hmm The only thing that I could point to, and it's really kind of a, almost a silly thing, is that quite a few years previous to that, someone had given me a massage. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, oh, what a young uterus you have. Your uterus feels like the uterus of a woman half your age. And I said huh. to myself... Not good. Oh. And that's all. I didn't say anything to her. But I said to myself, yeah. bears watching.
5: Oh, interesting. And what what about that made you, gave you that uh, feeling?
4: I should be the age I am.
2: Mm.
4: my uterus should feel like the uterus of a 77 year old woman mm-hmm. or uh, whatever I was then 60 something
2: mm-hmm.
4: not the uterus of a, of a, a, a child daring woman not the uterus of a fertile woman I should have the uterus of a apostle woman
0: mm. interesting
4: mm. right yeah bears watching,
5: mhm,
4: so I was attuned,
5: yeah, yeah,
2: not, not
4: not paranoidly peering over my shoulder, but just you know had, like the cat with the twitching tail, right,
5: mhm, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's part of you know, I'm trying. I I have been heeding your advice as of late with that whole idea with with the notion of gathering information before acting. I think um I I mean I've I've heard you say that for a long time. I've been listening to you for a long time and it's been coming up lately like in the la- like with that strep throat infection or the strep right. bacterial infection <sighs> that we had for for quite a while and my son got this horrendous um, skin rash and we know it was strep just because we know my sister had strep and then we all got strep and his turned into a skin rash and I could feel myself getting becoming really anxious and not knowing what to do and just trying I've heard you talk to people about this just like trying everything and just like one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and I was like, and at the at the beginning, I didn't know it was strep. I didn't realize he had gotten scarlet fever. And I didn't slow down enough to kind of like put together all the bits of information to figure it out at the beginning. And so I was like, oh, I you know, from that experience, I've been like, okay, you just need to slow down and just gather all the information before... Proceeding and figuring out deciding how you want to go forward, right, and, and, and
4: very important is you're not making the best choice you're making the best choice for you,
5: yeah, yeah, and with mhm with that in mind, I'm saying like, okay, I need to just pay attention to my cycle more, I'm not good about. Like, I'm one of these people who, like, I pay attention to what day of my cycle I'm on because that's helpful information. But, like, you know, I can't tell you if I spotted, like, last cycle or the one before that or when was the last time I spotted in between because I'm just not really paying that much attention. So I'm trying to be just a little bit more. um, Grab
4: yourself a marker and mark your calendar.
5: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I you know. There was a part of menopause where the only thing that got me through was at the end of each day I got to color in my calendar square yellow, red, or hot pink. <laughs> and I could actually look back and say, See, every day is not hot pink.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. mhm.
4: At the end of that day, you, on your own, colored that day in yellow. See, you got through that one. There will be more yellow days ahead.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well
4: <laughs> I I spotted for, oh, God, like 30, 35 days during menopause. Wow. And it was just... You know, it was like the previous woman. It was enough that you had to have a little protection. It wasn't exactly a, a flow, but it was a drip.
5: hmm hmm
4: And finally, I just got fed up with it because it was really actually making me feel, like, tired.
5: Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said,
4: ugh, enough of this. I'm going to take some herb and make it stop. Yeah. And, and that worked it only took two days and it was like all over Now maybe I just waited until it was about to be all over I wouldn't argue with anybody who said that Okay, maybe it's just a coincidence (laughs) But I was ready I was just like, okay I've been curious about this enough Now I am ready to go on What's next?
5: (laughs) Yeah
4: Yeah Uh, Yeah,
5: I definitely Started to think like Oh man, if this you know, maybe I should try like Yarrow or something, but you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, so Right. I um yeah. I'm not like So you like
4: you can afford to play with this, be with it, be present with it. You don't have to immediately cover your ass and make sure the worst thing isn't happening, but the doctor does.
5: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. So I'll probably. And that's okay that
4: they have to do that, right?
5: Yeah, of course. And that's so long as we are
4: not like sucked down into their whirlpool.
5: Right, and it's always that thing of mine. Like I chose to go to the doctor, knowing (laughs) that this is possible. So I need to like just kind of be responsible for advocating for myself and my choices and that's that's just his heart you know <laughs> like I'm like um I don't in and, and other areas of my life it's not so hard but doctors have a way of uh mommy daddy doctor I'm, god yeah it's crazy like and what? this person is so not doesn't read that way at all at like, all and, yet the,
4: and there's there's your two-year-old going yes mommy of course <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right, right. Yeah, yeah. It is. You know, I'm just really seeing it so starkly in my teenage daughter, and you know, remembering like the world crashing in on me as a teenager. You know, it's mm-hmm. like wow, you don't really like get how coddled you are as a child. You think oh God, childhood is awful.
5: Yes. Just, so
4: suddenly, it's like you're supposed to be responsible. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Wait, I know Wait. <laughs> yeah. So there is in each each one of us that, that part that has said No, just let somebody take care of me It's too much, I don't want to do it myself And that, you right. know, the medical system Is set up to take care of you If you don't want to do it yourself It's a great system for that part that doesn't want to do it ourselves. But if you do want to do it yourself, you do, as you say, you have to advocate that little for yourself because they're not set up for you.
1: Yeah,
5: no, it's true.
4: But we, yeah. but we can make it work for us. It's okay. They yes. have access to tools and skills that we can make use of.
5: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much. I'll save my next question for next time so that I know you have a lot of callers. I think so, there's at least really one helpful.
4: more caller. All right. Thank you so much. Great blessings. Good night. Okay.
5: Thank you, Susan. Good night.
0: All right. And we have four callers. That pressed oh, my gosh, four us...
4: callers. I'm so garrulous tonight. Let's see if I can keep this brief.
0: All right. We'll go right to the 210 area code, to the 210 for
7: Hi, good evening.
4: Hi, what's up with you tonight?
7: Thank you for talking to me. I am having, I think what they call a prolapse in my vaginal wall. And I wanted to know what you want to tell me about that.
4: <laughs> okay. Um, the usual prolapse is a weakening of the uterine ligaments, which allows the uterus to fall into the vagina. Okay. You can also have a bladder prolapse in which the bladder distends down into the vagina. Mm
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Usually the walls of the vagina, which are very, very muscular, don't collapse themselves.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: It's the pelvic floor muscles, which are supposed to be holding those things in, which can, for a variety of reasons, no longer do their job and keep those things up inside you. have you looked or felt can you describe to me what you see or feel
7: well i don't i don't see anything but um it was a, it started about maybe 2 months ago and i was just in the shower and i could i was like hmm well what's that <laughs> and it was like bulging like if you If I have my palm and I put my fingers up, it was pushing, what would you call that, on the, on the front, like the frontal, I don't know the term, not the posterior wall, but the, is that the anterior then? On the front. The anterior, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
4: So, you're in the shower and you could see something poking out of your vagina.
7: I, I know I could feel it. It wasn't it wasn't poking out. It was like I was just, you know, fooling around and then I could huh, uh-huh. feel a little bulge, but I had to go at least an inch up in to feel it. To feel and it. And then I yeah, I literally just pushed it back up in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So
4: the step one is to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles.
7: Okay. I've been kind of looking into that, but I've just been feeling like I don't know where to start, um, so that's why I'm calling you. Because <laughs> I know you'll well, give me the things to do. When don't L- know that where could. to start about pelvic
4: floor muscles, the doctor who created them says that the place to start is when you wake up in the morning and you do, of course his name was Dr. Kegel, so he called them Kegels. Um, <laughs> we tend to call them pelvic floor lifts, whatever you want to call it is good. And you do a series of, we uh, you know, start out with what you can do. He suggests 20. If you can only do two, that's fine, before you get up out of bed. And then when you swing your legs over the side of the bed, you sit there and you do another series. Again, he suggests 20 if you can do two or three. You may work your way up to it. And then most of us go off and sit on the toilet, and he suggests that you do another series of 20 actually interrupting the flow of urine so that you get a okay, really I
7: – Okay, do, I do both of those things. Um, feedback. I've always kind of done that. And, and lately I've, um, I've been trying to do them when I am in bed. So that's good. So I'll just try to do it. I'll try to do it more regularly because I'm kind of sporadic with it. So, okay, that's great. Dr. Kegel
4: would applaud. He would be very happy. He would say, yes, yes, excellent. Um, Does that mean that it will necessarily make that prolapse immediately go away? No. What actually can be more effective in the short term? Is any kind of hips up postures.
7: Ah, mm-hmm. Okay. So, I think I saw one on. I saw a video on YouTube. That a woman doing a certain yoga pose up on some yoga blocks. She put the yoga blocks a little bit under her. Yes. Maybe under her sacrum, I want to say, if I remember correctly. Um, and just yes. just sat there, relaxing, yes. and that looked really yes. fun. <laughs> right. It's also
4: really easy to lie on the floor and prop your calves and feet up on a chair.
7: On a, a ninety degree angle, correct? Or it, does that not matter too much?
4: It's really it's just even getting your feet up. Yes, you can okay. start putting cushions under your butt to get your butt up higher and higher. Mm-hmm. But Start where you can start. That's what's really important: is that you start, yes. you know, getting gravity to work for you here. Mm-hmm. The yes. human pelvic floor does a job it was never designed for. It's not designed to hold things up.
7: Yes, and I think that's one of my um, the first thing when it when I realized it is actually prior to realizing that was happening, one day I said, I don't sit down enough. I'm just doing housework, taking care of the kids, running here, running there, and I just don't sit down enough. And something, it was a really deep thing that I was like, you need to sit down more and take your time more and rest more. And then two weeks later, I physically found (laughs) that. So I was like, oh! I immediately thought, yep, my body was yep. telling me right there. And so I have been trying to just rest more too. So, good for um, you. and I good. really, really enjoyed your other callers, and especially the first one. And I, I don't know if she's listening, but I'm 45, and I do. I have five children, which it probably contributes to a lot of things, but <laughs> mostly good. But this is, you know, um, my current situation. You know, I'm taking care of them all the time, I need to take care of myself more, but. Um, I want to tell her, if she's listening, that we're in the same age range here. And I have felt so strongly over the last six months to a year that even though I'm done having children, my creative juices, especially like I just feel things in my uterus and just that your whole reproductive area, just my creative juices are so strong and flowing and they just want to come out and do fun things. So I, as you were encouraging her, I am also encouraging her to just go and do something that feels awesome to you. Um, create something. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I I do a lot of expression through food and flowers, <laughs> and that and that's fun for me. But I have yeah. been calling to do things like I want to paint a picture lately, and that's never been something that I ever wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I just want to throw that encouragement out to her also and, and I loved um everything you all were talking about. Um so thank you. And I'm gonna I heard everything you said and, and I know I can do it. And thank you so much, Susan.
4: You are so welcome. Dream blessings. Take
7: good care of yourself. We okay. all appreciate you so much.
4: Dream blessings, good night.
7: Green blessings, good night. All right. The next caller
0: has dialed in from the 510 area code. From the 510, you are live with Susan.
4: Hello.
0: All right. Well, we will move on to the 937. In the 937 area code, you are live with Susan in the
2: 937.
4: Hello. Hello. Hey, tonight?
2: Just, this is Gerardus Kolb. I just wanted to touch bases and ask you a few questions about studying. Okay, um, Gerardus. Thought, hey, good to hear from you. I, it's good to hear from you, too. I started uh medical massage school and stuff, and there's a lot of terms and, you know, things to remember and not a whole lot of time to remember them in, so... I was just kind of wondering if you had any advice for studying tips or memorization tips or things I could do, whether it be, like, herbal or non-herbal, just to kind of, like, help cram the info in.
4: Absolutely. The Native Americans thought that if you drank burdock, it would make things stick in your brain. Oh. I like that.
2: I like that a lot, too. Gene Houston
4: taught us to make a mansion. You know, or maybe you don't, that they have a contest every year with who can say the most numbers of pie.
2: Oh, okay.
4: And the, the way the winners do it is that they have mansions. So what's in a mansion? There are rooms in a mansion, right?
2: Yeah, rooms in a
4: mansion. So you open the door to your mansion and you go in a room. And in the room, you can have closets and cupboards, right?
2: Yeah, closets, cupboards.
4: So you go into the first room and you open a cupboard. And in that (laughs) cupboard are the (laughs) things, I don't even know what, kinds of categories to give you, you would know.
2: Right, right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
4: So you, so, if you need to know, like, muscle attachments in the shoulder, that could be in one drawer.
2: Okay. And then you could
4: have another drawer, so you have discrete places where you put these things because the Locus of memory in the brain is the same part of the brain that tells us where we are in space,
2: oh so like is that depth perception no it's it's knowing knowing where you are, and
4: that's why you forget when you walk through the doorway huh? oh, and, that's- that's- and they i i would just stunning study that they did, but they actually proved that going through a doorway, and first they had people, you know, like go from one room to another and sure enough they forgot what they were supposed to do. And they kept taking, like, stuff away until it was – they took the wall away. They took the door. It was just like a door frame, and people would walk through it and forget.
2: Okay. Okay. So you put it in the compartment with defined lines. You put it then, in a compartment,
4: uh, and then you don't have to worry about remembering it, because it lives there. Otherwise, you, you know, bits and pieces are floating up, and you're trying to grab them all the time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And it becomes like a, this, you know, like a swarm of mosquitoes. We shut down.
1: Right,
2: right. that's how I feel. Literally, like you just open the book, you you feel overwhelmed, and then you close the book. You close the book book. exactly. You past the first doorway, you get to the front door, and you're like, "Geez, this isn't my house," and you turn around. Turn around,
4: right? And you can, you know, you can have different rooms in the house. You can have the bone room. You can have the organ room. You can have the And each different room. And, it, you know, it. I am very much motivated by and very friendly with numbers. So I like kind of ordered things and numbered things. But I have friends who don't like numbers at all. Wow. My daughter said to me, my problem with math was the numbers always got up off the page and danced around the room. So <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I... So endearing. And so, if you can, also it doesn't have to be in drawers or boxes or files or labeled, right? It could be like pictures on the walls, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: You walk into the room and oh, there's a picture of the muscle attachments. Oh, there's a picture of you know the the. Hormones produced by the gut Or whatever it is If you're more visual Than compartmental Then use that, right?
2: Yeah, well, I feel like I'm hands on We haven't started the portion Where we're like Touching each other yet and stuff And I really feel like When I put my my hands on Like the arm I, I will remember like This is the radius And this is the ulna uh, so Put your I, hand on your arm. Yeah, yeah. So just be compartmentalize it to where it's not so big, and then right. So basically, start doing it myself. So I
4: might be at a talking stick, but I sometimes. Offer a class where there's no theme of the class, it's whatever anybody at the class wants. And those can sometimes be fairly big classes. So here I am in a talking stick and people are telling me what they want and there's 25 or 30 people. And I don't get seconds. I don't get to go back and look in the book. I have to remember the first time. And I wear all of what they want. If somebody is having a hearing problem, I put on earrings.
2: interesting okay so more visual cues or things right so
4: I adorn myself with their questions and then I just have to look at myself to remember what their questions were
2: right which completely makes sense
4: and then each time I've heard a question I have it okay she's probably hearing there's this earring right and i don't have to I don't have to go back and try to re-remember it. I got it okay right,
2: yeah, that makes sense I mean it's definitely a new strategy, and it makes more more sense as far as like the outcome. you know what I mean? There's like a reason behind why you do it more so than. Like, people are just like, oh, write, write it down on an index card and reread it back to yourself. And I'm kind of like, you know, like, I did that, but I don't really see the purpose. But what you're saying actually makes sense.
4: Exactly. And, and we, we remember easily things that interest us. We can't remember hardly at all things that interest us. And if you interest me, I'm so glad to be talking to you. It is a little past nine, so I'm going to say green blessings.
2: Green blessings. Great
4: question, Geraldus. Good luck with your study.
2: Thank you, you, Susan. then. Green blessings. Good night.
4: Green blessings. And we want to welcome Carmen Turner Schott, MSW. L.I.S.W., a licensed clinical social worker, psychological astrologer, author, and teacher with a national and international clientele. Carmen Turner Schott has been researching astrology, trauma, healing, and transformation for the past 25 years. She began her astrological work at the age of 16 after an experience with a glowing ball of light in her doorway and began studying metaphysics and the Edgar Casey material at that time. She received her undergraduate degree in psychology from Fontbonne University in St. Louis, Missouri in 1997 and her Master of Social Work degree at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri in 1999. Carmen turner Shot is the author of nine books. She was born with intuitive abilities that she inherited from her paternal grandmother, and she uses these spiritual techniques to better serve her clients and those who reach out to her for assistance. She's an avid dream researcher who uses dream incubation to help assist others on a deeper soul level. As a certified Reiki Master Energy Healer and Akashic Records International Consultant, she brings her knowledge of astrology and specific training in various healing modalities and specialized techniques to help with trauma recovery and psychological implications of trauma on the brain and the impact of trauma on the emotions, the physical body, and the mental processes. Carmen's goal is to share her love of astrology with others and to make it understandable on a basic practical level to help others see what a powerful psychological tool astrology can be in our lives. Welcome to the show, Carmen.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
4: I'm so excited to have you now. At the very beginning of the show, back around the 7.30 or so, I told people, that uh, one of the things that got you started um, was a glowing ball of light in your doorway and that you would tell us more about that.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, you know, I always felt a little different than everyone in my family, and and I always had these intuitions and these vivid dreams and experiences at night. And, you know, my family always would say, it's just your imagination. You know, uh, my parents didn't really know what to do with me. (laughs) And so when I was 16, um, I remember I came home one night, and I always had to have my bed facing the doorway where I could see out into the hall, and I always had to have a nightlight on, right? And so that night I went to bed as normal, and I woke up, and I saw this softball, a little bit bigger than a softball-sized glowing orb, about, uh, it was translucent, you know, yellow, watery, kind of floating in my doorway. Well, I went to try to, you know, yell for my mother. I had no voice. I couldn't move. I was frozen. But I had control of my mind. And I remember just praying, please don't have it come in my room, please, you know, because <laughs> I was afraid of the unknown. You know, now I kind of hit myself and wish I would have went over to this thing. But I just watched it for hours, and it would go down the hall, come right back in my doorway, but it never came inside my room. And after hours, it finally kind of released me, I guess, so to speak, and I was able to yell for my mother, who was right across the hall, and our house was pretty small, so she could see, you know, where into my doorway, and I said, do you see the, the light in my doorway, and she said she did, she did, and she witnessed it as well, and she told me maybe it was a flashlight, maybe it was a lightning bug, and I'm like, no, it's it's too big for that, so she didn't really know what to tell me, and I laid there till I think I passed out in the, about 4 a.m., And the next day, she said, I don't know what that was. And so after that experience, I went to uh, research everything I could about spirituality, orbs, you know, spirit guides, angels. And that's when I got my first astrology book at a little mystical bookstore called Mystic Valley in St. Louis. And I read about my, my chart and figured out how to do a chart and kind of taught myself the basics, and it all validated my mystical and spiritual uh, experiences. So astrology became my big passion, and I've spent my life studying it ever since I was sixteen.
4: Impressive.
1: It was. It's just been like you know everything that I do. I kind of live astrology. You know, um, I bring it into the the practical everyday life. And so, you know, when I went to college, I, I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to be um, a social worker, and so I kind of brought this into my counseling with teens and children and, and then with victims of trauma, you know, survivors of trauma, um, and, and as a tool of self-awareness and as a, a tool of understanding, you know, why certain things happen and understanding that, you know, everything ha- happens to, to make us stronger and for different uh, learnings and reasons. And so I use astrology as a, as a practical tool to help people. Um, understand uh, the energy, you know, because astrology is energy to me, and it affects everyone on Earth, even if they don't believe in it or not. You know, we have the the full moon, and, you know, last week we had that solar eclipse, which everybody I knew was feeling really uh, uneasy and not sleeping, and all kinds of things were happening, right? And so the the stars and the planets and the energies affect uh, our life on Earth. And so I make it my mission to try to, you know, share my passion, teach people about the basics of it, and let them know that it's a it's a psychological personality tool. You know, it's not um, it's not something that is you know hocus pocus or it's a science. You know, and it's accurate and it's it's uh, been validated. And I really believe it's um, a powerful tool to help others. And I use it to help myself as well.
4: So, do you use astrology in? Uh, a very specific way, like you m- might um, on a week-to-week or day-to-day basis look to see what's happening, or do you use it in a more generalized way?
1: I do both. I I do a monthly astrological update a video that I do to kind of uh, let everybody know, you know, what energies are impacting us each month, and you know the big things like the full moon you know, what sign it's in, you know, any kind of eclipses that are going on, any kind of uh, retrograde planets. Uh, So I, you know, right now Mercury's retrograde. So there's been a lot of technology and computer and uh, technological things going on and miscommunications, et cetera. uh, You know, when Mercury goes retrograde. So I just teach people about, you know, those kind of things that are affecting us. And I also use it as a deep tool of doing a deeper consultation with people you know, I do their birth chart, I do their transit chart, I can look at, you know, your solar return, which is your uh, birthday chart, uh, relocation, you know, astrophotography, where's the best place for you to live, where you have good energy with work and family, etc. So I kind of use it for everything, but yes, I have a little calendar here and a little book that tells me all of the major astrological events happening each day. And what energies are affecting us, you know, each month. And I, I kind of research it, do a little report, and do a video um, each month, you know, for my uh, YouTube followers so they can see, you know, what's impacting them and things like that.
4: There used to be a, a gentleman that I knew who sent us out a little monthly astrological update that he would do. And I mm-hmm. really enjoyed uh, his take on uh what what to be aware of? Uh, what's up and coming in the heavens? He would say.
1: That's great. <laughs> it, <Yeah.
4: laughs> it, it really it really
1: helps. I mean, it really validates. You know, I have I have friends and, and colleagues that are you know they don't know anything about this stuff and they're kind of kind of skeptical, but you know they're starting to open their mind up after you know knowing me a little bit and, and you know, they called me last week. What is going on? And I said, Oh wow! I said. We've got a major energy effect in everyone, you know, with the solar eclipse and the new moon and all that energy that was going on last week was affecting so many people. And everyone uh, in my Facebook groups, I was funny because, you know, everything was in Aries and there was a a lot of Aries energy and Aries rules the head and the face. And so a lot of people had really bad headaches and I had a headache for four days straight. I mean, just a constant headache. I went to bed with it, woke (laughs) up with it. And everybody Uh, I talked to is like, "Oh my God, I have had a headache too." Everyone I talked to had headaches for days uh, this week, and it was Aries energy. It was that solar eclipse and all that stellium and Aries that was affecting everyone. And and that pressure, that energy, it manifests in the vulnerable area for Aries is the head. So we all were getting headaches. And I even (laughs) knew two people that had root canals. They had they had tooth issues, tooth teeth pain, and all of a sudden their tooth started killing them and they had to go in and get surgery, or they just had uh, jaw stuff going on, and, you know, the sun went into Taurus, you know, on the on the 20th there last week, and it was just a lot of energy affecting in everyone, and, and some health, you know, some health stuff manifesting, because, you know, the energy uh, has to manifest in the body somehow, and that's what it was doing, and, and then now, you know, everybody's feeling a little bit better, uh, but everybody had a headache last week that I talked to, so uh, those are kind of the scientific things that I've you know, witness with astrology that you can really see it play out in the real world you know day to day
4: and give you some way of seeing yourself in perhaps a larger context
1: yes yes i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing you know when when I do the charts of of families you know like children and their their, uh, parents, um, almost always um, one of the children or even more than one share the same uh, astrological nodes, the moon's nodes as their parent or the opposite nodes of the parent. Oh my goodness. Yes, and that's kind of some of my research. Probably 85, 90% of the time, everyone has a child that has the flip nodes. And what that means is you know, you're, you already learned what your child is here to master, and, and your child's already learned what you're here to master, so you guys kind of mirror and help each other learn those uh, energies and those personality traits. And, and my daughter and I have flip nodes. You know, I'm a north node Scorpio. She's a south node Scorpio. And I've already been a Taurus, and she's learning to be one. So we're opposite, but we help each other kind of learn what we're here to learn. And I see that with a lot of parents and children's charts you know, that I've done through the years, and and another really cool thing that I've witnessed is in couples, you know, partners, people that tend to stay married for a really long time and just have a really strong relationship, they typically are sun-moon flip, is what I call it. So what that means is, you know, if one person has their sun in Sagittarius, and the partner has their moon, which is uh, what my book's about, the moon sign in Sagittarius, how the one partner is outwardly is how the other partner is inwardly, the emotional inner nature. So it's like, oh, yes, very compatible. Well, that's so very, beautiful. Yeah, and I see this all the time, you know. And, and and my parents, you know, they've been you know together since they were in high school. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how they've been together this long, you know, 40, 48 years. But uh, they're sun moon flip. My grandparents were sun moon flip, and just just really wonderful relationship you're just really best friends and and just get along so well and i see this with a lot of people and even in friendships you know people you click with a lot of times you have um you know the sun sign or they have the moon sign and your sun sign etc and there's that um that mirror you know that that uh balance there that makes you so compatible so those are some things i notice when i look at people's charts and things that i've you know just kind of researched but astrology most people know what their sun sign is you know it's based on the month and day of your birth but a lot of people don't realize that the moon sign is your emotional nature it's your inner reactions it's where you find comfort and stability and emotional fulfillment and where you find you know passion and and all of those things and security and the moon sign is more important than the sun sign in so many ways because it's it's how you feel about things right it's your inner self And so the moon is so important, and you can know the moon by, you know, you go on online and do a moon chart calculator, but you, if you need, you really need to know your time of birth, because um, having the whole picture really makes it more accurate to really nail down what sign the moon was in the day, year, time, and place you were born, because the moon sign changes every two to three days in the sky through each of the 12-star constellations. So it even twins, can be very similar but have a different moon sign, which makes them act differently emotionally, right? And so I see that a lot with twins. Even though they have maybe the identical chart, really, the moon can be off depending on the time of birth. You know, if they were born two hours apart, that moon sign could have been going into the next, you know, sign, you know, Leo into Virgo, et cetera. And so they have a different emotional nature, which is why if you meet certain twins, they may look alike but they act different, right? And so... Uh, I, actually, I actually had now. a
4: friend who was born and stopped breathing. Oh wow! And they resuscitated her, and she actually had two moon signs.
1: Oh wow! Wow, that is yeah, two charts. Right. Yeah, because they brought her back. Yeah, that's really cool. Right. I mean, I the rest of the chart was at. pretty much the same, but the moon had changed. That is pretty amazing. <laughs> you know. I think uh, it reminds me of my daughter because she was supposed to be born the end of September, and this is back in 2004, and, uh, you know, she's going to be 19 years old now. But I remember I thought she's not going to be a Libra. She's going to be a Virgo and be born in August. And I tell you what, she was born a month early by an emergency C-section. And, oh, my um, And she uh, – this, this is the funny part. My husband and I are born the exact same day, August 26th. And he's five years older, though. I always say that. Not same year, but same day. And that's why I went on a blind date with him, right? And uh, my daughter was August 25th at 11.42 p.m. And the doctor's like, I wish I could wait. Then you all would have the same birthday, but we got to get her out. So she (laughs) is um, literally right the day before uh, my husband and my birthday. We would all have the same birthday. That would be uh,
4: so fun.
1: (laughs) It would. So we can't forget our birthdays, but, you know, she uh, definitely would have had a completely different chart if she was, you know, had been born when she was due. You know, she was very early. So um, it's really interesting how it all plays out.
4: Very, very much so.
1: You've written nine books? Yes, I have. What's your favorite one? Oh, wow, that's hard to pick. (laughs) I know, um, isn't it? I would unfair to, I unfair would, question. I would have to say, probably my first published book with a real publisher with uh, Rowell would be my favorite book, Sun Signs, Houses and Healing, Build Resilience and Transform Your Life through Astrology. All of my other books, I self published them all, until uh-huh. the Sun Sign book, and then now the Moon Sign book. They also published, so I'd say the Sun Sign and Moon Sign books are probably my two favorites you know all right
4: and, uh, wow yeah.
1: that's
2: that
4: yeah. easy way for us to have access to that information i'm always you know still still kind of like oh right yes you don't have to like get at your ephemeris you can just ask siri
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> everything's so good you know in the old days i don't even know how i did it uh i used you know what we used to do is charts by hand and we, right. would, we would just draw the wheel and, and have the rulers and do the angles. And, and I don't even know. you know, I haven't even got a chart. You would sit there with your ephemeris
4: for hours getting the chart. You
1: would. You would. It was like looking everything up. And it was a lot of work, wasn't it, to do a chart. And now you've got these computer programs, and I've been doing them for years, and they do all the math for you, and you don't have to worry about it, you know. don't have to worry about it at
4: all. Hooray. It's amazing.
1: It's amazing. <laughs> I love the new technology, right? <laughs> 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 uh,
4: so they're living in
1: the stone uh, Would you I'm let Laura. people know how they can get in touch with you? Yes. Um, I am on Facebook, uh, Deep Soul Divers Astrology, and then Carmen Turner Shot. Um, it's S-C-H-O-T-T. I'm on Facebook. I have an author page on Facebook. I have um, an Instagram, which I'm not on there as much, but I have a YouTube channel that is Carmen Turner Shot. And then I have a website, www.carmenturnershot.com, and um, you can find me on those, on all those things. And I'm on, you know, I have a Twitter account, but, you know, I'm not on there much. I, Facebook's the best way to get a hold of me and my website, definitely.
4: All right. And if they go to your website, what are they likely
7: to find?
1: On my website I'll have all all of my books available, and I have my blog. I have a blog with some articles and videos and things that um, I've done in the past. So you can, you know, look up different things. Uh, part of my my specialty that I've spent most of my whole life researching has been the 8th and 12th astrological houses. Those are kind of what I'm known for because I have planets in both of those houses. So I have spent my life researching of those those houses. And I have, it's, you know, books about tell, them tell as me well. Again what these, tell me again what these are. Yeah, um, in in the chart, you know, there's 12 houses or 12 areas of life in astrology. And so I spent most of my life researching uh, the 12th house and the 8th house. So the The 12th 12th, house.
4: The 8th house, got
1: it. Yes, yes. And and the 12th house is the house of spirituality, cosmic consciousness, service to others, intuition, dreams, sleep, secrets, hidden enemies, you know, sacrifice. It's Pisces. Pisces energy rules the twelfth house. And then the eighth house is the house of Scorpio. You know, it's it's the house of death, transformation, rebirth, trauma, healing. And I've spent a lot of time researching and helping people that have planets in both in one of those two houses. And Ah, that's my that's kind of where my my Facebook group started up. I started two Facebook groups years ago when Facebook first started, uh, The 12th Astrological House and the 8th Astrological House, Deep Soul Divers. I run these two groups, and we have 15,000 people from all over the world in there, and they all are 12th and 8th housers, you know, sharing their charts. It's like a support group. Um, People that have planets in those houses have very unique experiences, you know, that they can't explain. Uh, Some of them lose a loved one at a young age, um, you know, through death, and they have that kind of loss and trauma at a young age. And there's shared spiritual experiences that people have when they have planets in either of those two houses. And so, um, you know, a lot of my research is on that, and that's kind of how people find me is through my eighth house book and my, my 12th house book as well. Uh, that's out there on Amazon. But um, that's why I love helping people and counseling people and, and uh, helping people heal uh, from trauma and from uh and be resilient and things like that. So, that's kind of my passion and, um, you know, if, if people, you know, have their chart done and they know they have planets in the, in the 12th or 8th, um, you know, feel free to go on my website and, and you can email me through there and contact me and I'd be happy to get in touch with you and, and share my Facebook groups and everything, you know, so you can be a part of a, a support community to help um, you understand, you know, why certain things happen in your life, you know, we're not victims there's a reason things happen i believe to make us stronger and more resilient people and also so we can go and help others heal and we become kind of wounded healers right when we have planets in those two houses so um that's really my passion and you know in astrology all there's three water houses so the fourth house is also an important area of life it's just not where i've done my research you know but uh the water houses are the 12th 8th and 4th you know ruled by pisces cancer and scorpio so those are the psychic, spiritual, intuitive houses, right, in our birth chart. So having planets in those three houses really yes. uh, gives you abilities. Yeah, psychic abilities, intuition, all kinds of wonderful experiences that, that make um, you kind of special, really. You know, different than other people, you know. Different, yes. Yeah, you're not going to feel like you're, you're from Earth. That's what I would say about 12th house people, too, <laughs> is that they're like fallen angels. <laughs> You know, they're like, "What the heck am I doing here? I'm not from here. I'm an alien, or I'm adopted, right?" That's what they tell me all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, "You're a twelfth house son, that's why, right?" So it's just, it's just a research, and it's very true. It it validates it, you know. So um, I love the twelfth house. I got a book called "The Mysteries of the Twelfth Astrological House: Fallen Angels," that is out there, and uh, and the mysteries of the eighth house, Phoenix Rising. So I call twelfth house people angels. And I call 8th house people phoenixes. And I've wrote a lot of articles about it. And uh, books about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's like my side thing, you know. Uh, uh, but the sun and moon sign book is is really a very basic, practical guide. I mean, I wrote these books so that anyone that doesn't know anything about astrology can read them and understand it. You know, it's, it's basic. It's not going to be confusing, you know, because astrology – A lot of people tell me, oh, my gosh, I don't understand it. There's so much to it. And there is, but I try to teach it and write about it in a very simple way to make it practical. You know, that's my goal. And teach about it in a practical way because you can spend your whole life studying astrology. I'm still learning. I'm still learning things at my age. It's amazing. I mean, there's so many different things and types and, and, and placements and asteroids, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it's amazing how much um you can always learn, and no one ever I think has ever completely mastered astrology because there's always something new to learn you know so I've had Vicky
4: Noble's work with the uh, asteroid goddesses
1: yeah 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 i I've been you know got some uh getting more into the asteroids and trying to learn more about that. you know it hasn't been my specialty, but um I've, there's a lot of people out there that you know I'm always learning something you know, about you know different planetary returns you know there's all these major life um astrological events that happen in all of our lives you know based on how old we are and what ages we're at and what phases and and when you start looking at it you're like oh my gosh that makes sense oh i was going through my Saturn return right when that happened or i was going through <laughs> my Chiron return right when i got knocked you know knocked upside the head with the uh, you know uh, by the universe right <laughs> and, uh, and got <laughs> tested you know hello are you paying attention yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, you know, when you're like, oh, my God, that's why that happened. Oh, shoot, I was in my sadder return, right? So, my God.
4: Well, the yeah, thing that we have to pay attention to now, unfortunately, is that this is a, a timed show, and they're going to cut us off. So sure. I'm going to ask you um, what you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight. You've been listening to Carmen turner Shot S-C-H-O-T-T. You can get in touch with her at her website or at Facebook. And thought you would like hearts and minds?
1: Yeah, I would just say, you know, just keep an open mind about astrology and all of these things. And just know that the things that happen in your life are meant to happen to make you more resilient and strong and so you can help other people. And that's kind of my parting wisdom.
4: Thank you so much, Carmen. I believe that we are engaged in reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. Oh, I like That that. That miracle that you evoked of watching yourself heal, I think, is happening on a planetary scale. And I want to thank you for the beautiful fibers that you have added to this reweaving tonight. And Sarah, Mm -hmm. Ellen, you know, my part of the reweaving is to reestablish herbal medicine as people's medicine. Thank you so much for doing that. And let's see. I think we are having a blog talk show next week, right? Yes, we
0: are scheduled for next
4: week. Mm-hmm. We are scheduled for next week. And then the week after that?
0: Ooh,
4: that's a good question. That's a
0: good and question.
4: Not- How it's going. We'll definitely see you back at the blog talk show next week. I've got starting on Monday. Thanks everyone, and good night.